Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to Drafting the Circuits 2020 edition. My name is Frank Sandorowski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over, over everything in racing. Joining me in the studio today, Mr. Richard Uden, Mr. Seth Eggert. How you guys doing? Doing well. Good, good. Our buddy Gray Warren is off on assignment this week. He will, he will be joining us next week. But uh, we've, uh, we're glad to be back. We've had the off season uh, to ourselves to uh, kind of catch up on everything, watch all this uh, testing that we've been seeing going on, and uh, watch the Rolex 24. And uh, we're coming out of Daytona Speed Week. Seth, you spent um, a couple weeks down there at Daytona. Um, obviously, the 500, the biggest story coming out of that, Ryan Newman and the crash, and we're, we're pleased to hear, um, you know, just earlier today that, that Ryan Newman is is fine. He's released from the hospital, uh, spending time with his little girls and his friends, and he's uh, been jovial and in a good mood. But, uh, yeah, lost in the shuffle, the fact uh, Denny Hamlin won his uh, second 500 in a row, which is a, you know, a pretty big accomplishment. It doesn't happen all the time. But uh, let's, uh, Seth, let's start, start off with... Um, Ryan Newman, obviously, that's been the biggest thing on everybody's minds. Everyone's, everybody went to the the worst case scenario when we saw that, and and rightfully so because that wreck was um, terrifying. And Seth, you were right there. Yeah, I was standing in on pit road, uh, just about directly across from where the impact uh, from Corey LaJoy happened. I've been going to racetracks for some. Somewhere around 23, 25 years now. Between short tracks, super speeds, the whole nine yards. I have never seen anything like that. And I pray to God that we never see anything like that again. Uh, Corey had no idea what happened. Uh, as he said in an interview on ABC earlier today, or CBS, I forget what station it was uh he entered the trioval all he saw was smoke and the second the smoke cleared newman was there and there was nothing he could do 
Uh, he didn't even know where he hit Newman until interviews after he got out of the infield care center. I I hope he and Ryan Blaney, who turned Newman, and it wasn't Blaney's fault, it's just a fault of the uh, arrow package that they have. I hope that they're in a good mental place right now, especially since Newman walked out of the hospital today. And regardless, the most important story of 2020 Speed Weeks is that Newman's daughters still have their dad. Yeah, that was definitely a scary, scary moment. So let's talk about this a little bit. And, and Richard, you chime in because you've, you've worked on these cars. But there's we know that uh, Ryan's had a couple of incidents like this where he's gone airborne and he was, he's been very vocal very vocal about the you know the need for a little more safety in this sport. I recall a couple of years ago he said, uh, you know, NASCAR can make safer cars and safer walls, but they can't get their head out of their ass far enough to make the thing stay on the ground. And I think he paid a little bit of a monetary fine for that. But the the additional roll bars that were added in about uh, 2009 or additional structure to the roll cages has been known as the Newman bar, and that it as it turns out. That is largely what's being credited for um, for his, you know, being largely uninjured. This is the fifth time that Newman's been upside down. Eighth in which he's been involved in a wreck in which somebody's gone upside down. The other three, uh, Carl Edwards landed on him, Jamie McMurray landed on him, and Kurt Busch landed on him. All of that is in the span of 17 years. It's unfathomable that something like this could have happened. That being said, that being said, the way this aero package is, the cars are extremely light in the rear. So as soon as Newman hit the, the outside wall, the rear lifted up and the speeds they were going, it just sent the car over. Newman and LaJoy, despite the wreck, despite the impact, still had an average lap of 193.5 miles per hour on that final lap. Wow. In comparison, in comparison, uh, about 10 years ago, Kyle Busch had a similar wreck to a degree, in which he hit the wall at a similar angle and did not flip. The only difference between the two wrecks is the arrow package. When Kyle Busch hit the wall, he was going about 186 miles per hour. When Newman hit the wall, he was going 198 miles per hour, a difference of three seconds a lap. It used to be what was around 200 or so in which these cars would get airborne and they would put restrictor plates on. They would uh, make the plates smaller. They would play with wickers and this and that. We don't have restrictor plates anymore. We have tapered spacers. They put a wicker bill on the back spoiler uh, about two years ago, I I hesitate to say this, 
But it's almost like we're playing a game of Russian roulette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this, right. and they've addressed this with the cars getting airborne in different ways over the years. You know, I remember I, I, it was probably the 90s, I guess, we had a number of – I remember Rusty Wallace a couple times getting spectacularly in there, and that's when we started to see those roof flaps and hood flaps and, and, and larger rear wings. But uh, obviously we still – you know, we're still chasing this. Uh, you know, the good news mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, the structure of the car – uh, appears to be quite solid. I mean, we've not, you know, knock on wood, lost a driver in cups since 2001, um, and that's largely due to um, you know, innovations like the Hans device, uh, which uh, which takes care of also uh, driver. And we haven't lost a driver in NASCAR in general since 2009. Right, right, yeah, but we've got you know innovations like the Hans device, yeah. the the safer barriers. All those have come into play. We've still seen some guys get hurt pretty bad. You know, most uh, you know Kyle Busch with a couple of uh, broken legs a few years ago, and and um, Amarillo, Amarillo, yep, yep, with the, yeah. the back uh, injury. So it was and, it was really yeah encouraging to see Ryan Newman walking out of the hospital today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's 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 nearly unbelievable how you know how far we've come, but we still have some ways to go. Yeah. Now, I, uh, sorry, 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 you, you carry on. Just real quick, uh, Ross Fenway has announced a uh, substitute starting at Vegas. Uh, Ross Chastain. Uh, there is currently no timetable for Newman's return. Uh, that being said, they did get a lot of cooperation, a lot of uh, essentially a go-ahead from Chip Ganassi Racing, Colleg Racing, who. Uh, Chastain drives for, which are Chevrolet teams, with Roush being a Ford. Uh, It's not unprecedented for a driver of a different manufacturer to step in, but in recent years, especially since about 2003-2004, it's highly unusual for a driver of a different manufacturer to step in as a substitute. Yeah, it is unusual. Yeah, I'll give you that because these guys are, are contracted, and and you know some of these guys spend their whole career uh, with one manufacturer. You know, after starting in, um, say, like Toyota's development program and that sort of thing. So, but let's now, Richard. Let, let me let you have you chime yeah. in a little bit on the uh, <laughs> the structures of the car and, and the safety and what and just and just what your thoughts are. And I know, I know you you've worked with Ryan Newman for a while, and, and you know that guy's tough as nails to begin with. But, cool. uh, yeah, and he just. He's um yeah, Ryan, Ryan's a Ryan's a good guy. He gave all the engineers that worked with him a headache, but you know these guys demand the best, and uh, you, especially when their safety is on the line, you you can't blame them. But um, I want to come at this from a slightly different tact, I think, and it, it's not one that's supposed to be disrespectful to you know to, to Ryan or anybody involved in the sport, but NASCAR's loving this. This is the best thing they could have. You know, a big accident all over the news, not just the sports news, but international. You know, I had friends, you know, back in England who don't follow motorsport, and it was on the main news pages in England, you know, uh, and they love it. The the viewing figures for Vegas this weekend will be up, and they'll love it. And unfortunately, they're, as, as um, Seth, they're playing Russian roulette. They're playing chicken with the driver's lives here. There is no reason whatsoever in 2020 that we have to have racing that is as dangerous as this 
Yeah, this reminds me very much of Formula One in like the late 80s, early 90s, when guys would have massive accidents and walk away from them and keep walking away and keep walking away. And then, of course, you had Imola in 94, where you lost two drivers in the space of a weekend. You're, you're playing with fire here, and you see some of the wrecks at Talladega and Daytona. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's great viewing, because everybody watches, because they want to see the big one. But at some point, we've got to put our you know, our, our sort of big boy pants on here and say, look, is this worth it? Before it's too late, you know, are we, do we really need to be running these risks in the name of entertainment when, you know, the risks are, I, I, personally, I just think they're too high. I think there's other things they can do to make the racing entertaining, and I get it, it's got to be entertaining, that doesn't cause these, you know, Potentially life-threatening injuries. You you look at at least once a year a car gets airborne at a super speedway. At least once a year, if not once a race. You know you got. I remember when uh, Jeff Gordon, uh, you know, in his final year when he, um, you know, when he ran his last Talladega, he got out the car and said, "Thank God that's over with." You know, there's some guys thrive on it, but there is the real risk there. I mean, and Ryan's one of those guys who actually. You know, he, he does understand the risks of super speedway. And typically, if you watch him at a super speedway, he'll run it in the sort of the second pack. He'll run out back and, you know, for 175 of the 200 laps and then, you know, watch all the carnage go on and then make, excuse me, make his move at the end. But I just, I really think the sport's got to take a deep look at itself and and question the necessity for super speedway racing in this format. And yeah, you can tweak an aero package here or tweak an engine regulation. But as soon as you get these guys locking bumpers, you know, it's it's a recipe for disaster. And I know everybody says, oh, the you know, when the guys get in the car, they know what they're doing and they're taking it. Yeah, of course they do. 100%. I, I, I do get that part of it. But to the same extent, you give a guy's, you know, one, one and a half million dollars on the line for a race win or whatever, you know, the winner of the day, turn of 500 gets. And you give them a little bit of red mist and a little bit of adrenaline, they're going to make irrational decisions. And I'm not saying that that happened in this case, but it, it can do. And I, I just don't know if it's worth it. I, I really don't. And and NASCAR are playing playing with fire here. I think chasing spectator numbers. I say it'd be fascinating to see what the viewing figures are for Vegas this weekend because I'd bet a reasonable amount of money that they're up and they're considerably up on the back of this. Oh, certainly, certainly. Now, how much does like driving style come into this because there's two points I want to make. Number one, you've got, uh, you know, if if, if you look at Newman changed lanes a couple times to block, yeah, there's a lot on the line. And and my second thought is it always seems like the green-white checker, the overtime rule, is a recipe for disaster. I I, I don't, for the life of me, I don't know why we just don't occasionally just go ahead and finish under yellow because this green-white checker with the multiple attempts always equals multiple wrecks and uh, you know when the race should theoretically already have been over where we're causing uh, you know the potential for injury we're causing a heck of a lot of of extra work for those guys who've got to put the cars back together and it's it's almost inevitable when there's an overtime situation it's there's there's a couple of wrecks one after the other after the other well there's a 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Plot that goes into this and to break it down piece by piece in a sense. Uh, in the truck series and the Xfinity series, locking bumpers is outlawed. Specifically for reasons like this. Now, in the Cup series, only two of the three manufacturers really have cars that can actually lock bumpers. The Ford and the Toyota. Chevrolet, yes, they flatten their nose a little bit. But very early in the race... Uh, when essentially William Byron and Stenhouse tried to lock bumpers, Byron got sent into the inside wall on the backstretch. So it's already a disadvantage for one of the three manufacturers. I don't see the ability of locking bumpers being allowed for yeah, much they've longer. They've got to stop that, it. But the problem is the aero package allows it to happen. It you allows know. it in the Xfinian truck, but it's outlawed. And it, <laughs> yeah. when... But are you going to make that call? You know, this is this is my point. I know, the I Xfinity, know, I The know. truck in Xfinity, you can, yeah, yeah, don't do that. You know, if you're coming on to, you know, win the day turn of how 100 and Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins it, and then you get, I know he's not, but you know what I mean? He wins it, and then oh, sorry, actually, you look bunkers. You, you know, we're going to take that win away from you. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be leaving Daytona, would you? Well, at Taldega last year in the truck race, they took the win away from Johnny Sauter for forcing somebody below the L line. So, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, so you they had that made in the, the call before. Race as well, somewhere. Was it at yeah, Daytona? At Daytona, race, it was before? Justin Haley. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's. So, it, it has happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but that's not cup. I know. And that's not what the millions of people turn in. You know, at the end of the day, as brutal as it's... Okay, why... Do, and I'm, I'm being, you know, devil's advocate here. Why do people watch the Daytona 500? Do they watch it for the high quality of racing or do they watch it for the wrecks? Because there's no high quality racing that 90, 90% 95% of the people there appreciate. You know, being a good super speedway driver is an art, but and I'm not being disrespectful to people. The vast majority of people probably don't get that. You know, they just, people, pure and simple, watch these races for the big one. And that's what it's advertised on. You watch any advert for a Talladega or Daytona, and it's a 20-second soundbite. Within that 20 seconds, you'll see a car on its roof. That's, they sell it as that. They sell it as as 200 mile an hour, you know. Demolition Derby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, now, think, I think they've got to take a look at themselves, but I don't know. Now, now, going to the point of driving style, 
on average, it's pretty much the same drivers, the same cast of characters every year that finishes either in the top five or the top ten, or the majority of them anyway, at the super speedways. Those drivers typically are Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, David Reagan, who this was his last Daytona 500, Ryan Newman, Chase Elliott, Michael McDowell, and Brad Keselowski. That's at least seven. What do they all have in common? They're all on track. They all race differently. Chase, Brad, and Denny are typically up front, along with Blaney. Then you have Reagan, Newman, Harvick riding in the back. So to a certain point, driving style does come into the play, especially at the end of the race. But overall, it's not a huge factor in the the wreck. I'll put that more on the aero package mm-hmm. because okay. the aero well, package. What, what I was referring what forced, to. Okay. Yeah, what I was referring to was the the blocking. You know, the, the changing lanes more than once. The, you know, that's well, that's a well, natural let, instinct, though, isn't and, it? Right, right, but it's, it's but it's been it's been outlawed in other other forms of racing where you've got the chance to make one move. You know, and we've and we've seen, yeah, we've seen blocking penalties in Formula One that we that are so yeah, mild like we, we barely agree with them, and we've seen we've seen a few in IndyCar that are that are questionable at, at best. But uh, it, the blocking in NASCAR is just, you know it's there, there's well, no no rule against it, so it's it's uncontrolled. Well, I think well, the difference there, sorry, very quickly, the, the, the difference there is that in in Formula One, for example, your rule is into a braking zone. You don't have any many braking zones at Daytona apart from pit road. Okay, um, I, you know, point so, understood. Yeah, but but what are you going to, again, you, you you put this, and again, this is another, and I'll be careful how I put this, this is a, potentially another criticism of the sport. They put the Daytona 500 winner on such a pedestal that these guys go beyond, at times, what is the acceptable limit of risk to win that event. You know, the way they block, the way they, you know, you give you line up all forty of those drivers, and you say to them, "You're on lap two hundred. You're coming into turn three. Will you turn somebody to win this race?" They'll all say yes. Every single one of them will deliberately wreck another driver to win that race. Oh, absolutely, and, uh, yeah. And Which... nobody knows the consequences of those wrecks. We've just been incredibly lucky over the last, you know, twenty years nearly that we haven't seen any more serious accidents. I mean, okay, there's been serious, any more serious injury, should we say. And I just think it's the dynamic of what these guys are being asked to do. You know, people can say, well, they don't have to do it. But again, you give a dog a stick and it's going to play with it. I'm going to splinters, you know? I'm going <laughs> to say something. Uh, there are a handful of drivers that were in this race. Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, Justin Haley. Christopher Bell, who have never seen a horrific crash like that. Mm-hmm. Granted, Bell may have in sprint cars or uh, midget cars, but there are drivers racing today in the Cup Series that were not on track when we were sending drivers to the hospital week in and week out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. 
Some of them weren't even alive. <laughs> yeah, that's my on point. Track. <laughs> that's my point exactly. Yeah. Uh, in 1999, you can go and watch the races on YouTube. In 1999, every single truck race, a driver went to the hospital. Ooh, 21 ooh. years later, we're maybe sending a driver to the hospital once a year. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. There's Wait. there's a whole generation of, of drivers in, uh, you know, not only in NASCAR, but uh, certainly in, we've brought this up with Formula One as well when we're talking about the, uh, the unfortunate incident in the Formula Two race last year. A whole generation of driver who, drivers who have, you know, there's very little, very little personal consequence to, to some actions on the track because the the sport has become very safe, and you know the safety procedures in there and the quick response times with the, with the medical crews um, were they, they the entire generation has never never seen that, never driven with what you call real danger. Mm-hmm. Now, the other part that I want to bring up is the fans. You know what they want to see. Growing up, I did want to see the wrecks, and I'm saying when I was much younger. That yeah. being said, over time, especially the past three or four years, just watching the race, I get a pit in my stomach mm-hmm. and I'm terrified of what I might see. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, in all fairness, we're, you know, not being disrespectful again, we're not your average fan. I know, you know that we're heavily involved, you know, in in the the coverage of the sport or the the operation of the sport or whatever level it may be, and and we look at it from a different level. You know, m- most people won't. Um, and again, you know, you look at the casual fan or the even the, the people who aren't into the sport, you know, necessarily directly. They they see these things on the news or they watch it on ESPN or whatever it may be. Um, and, and they, 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 you know, see the highlight package on a Monday morning when they're at work or whatever, and um, it that's what stands out. You know, I'll guarantee you in um, – here's a question for you. Now, Seth, you'll know the answer because you, you know the answer to all these things. <laughs> <laughs> Who won the race when Austin Dillon had that huge wreck? Dale Jr. But most people – will look at, what was it, 2015 Daytona uh, summer race, and they will think of that wreck. What? You know? Yeah, just mm-hmm. like just like I had mentioned earlier, the fact that Demi, Denny Hamlin has won back-to-back Daytona 500s is totally lost in the shuffle. Yeah, yeah. And here's something that I'll say that was also lost in the shuffle. Reagan, like I said, his last Daytona 500 gets his best finish in the Daytona 500 fourth. Brendan Gaughan, his last gets his best finish in Cup seventh. Mm-hmm. John Hunter Nemechek gets his best finish. He's one of the Rookie of the Year contenders, eleventh. Uh, and just a little bit of numerology here: uh, when Austin Dillon flew into the catch fence in 2015, he finished seventh while airborne. Ryan Newman, who started seventh while airborne, finished ninth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, oh, it's a, you know, yeah. 
So, um, well, let's, so you know what? let's, let's, let's yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's move on. Uh, we did have two other races at Daytona. So Seth, if you want to just quickly, uh, take us through the, uh, truck and Xfinity, uh, races there. And then, well, then what I want to do is just talk a little bit about, um, the 2020 rookie class in cup. And, and then Richard, uh, Richard, I want to talk about the Formula One testing after that. Sure thing. So, so for the truck series, uh, we had the closest finish in Truck Series history at Daytona. Grant Enfinger and Jordan Anderson, it came down to a photo finish. Anderson in his own number three uh, truck that he and they have, I think, five full-time crew members. He basically sold everything to try to buy this one speedway truck. It's a former... Uh, Brad Keselowski racing truck, which they shut down about four years ago, so that tells you the age of this truck. And he almost pulled off the upset, came 0.10 seconds shy of pulling up off the upset. Same time in, in the same race, Natalie Decker earns the best finish for a woman in truck series history with a top five at Daytona. In the NASCAR Xfinity Series, uh, Noah Gregson won the race after the race ended under caution. Granted, he had been leading for about 10, 15 laps at that point. Uh, Some of us were wondering when he was going to stop celebrating because, uh, let's see, he did a burnout. He lit the track on fire. He was tossing some of his race gear into the grandstands. Then he did a burnout on pit road. Then he did donuts on pit road and then finally went to uh, victory lane. Uh, some other good stories that were in the Xfinity series. Timmy Hill got his best career finished third. Uh, Brandon Brown finished seventh. Ray Black Jr. got his first career top 10. Uh, and Alex LaBay had... Uh, the rain comes sooner on Saturday. Alex LaBay, we might be talking about as the winner for the Xfinity series. Which, for Mario Goslin's team, might be something that would have given LaBay a full-time season. It could have been what could have been. So, uh, real quick, so um, the 2020 rookie crop in Cup, we've got a really good rookie class this year. So, if you just go ahead and r- run down the drivers and the teams there, and then then we'll talk about some Formula One testing. Okay, we had John Hunter Nemechek, who was the rookie of the race at Daytona, driving for Front Row Motorsports. We have Brennan Poole at Premium Motorsports. Christopher Bell with Levine Family Racing, which is aligned with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. It's a Joe Gibbs Racing car, isn't it? I mean, come on. Yeah, for all intents and purposes. (laughs) It's like furniture row, you know. (laughs) We have have Cole Custer at Stuart Haas Racing, uh, Tyler Reck at Richard Childress Racing, and Quinn Hoff at Starcom Racing. Uh, Three of those drivers made up the quote-unquote big three, last year in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They, I think combined, they won 26 of the 33 races last year, which is a pretty unbelievable stat as it is. 
So yeah, who do you think is favourite for the? Sorry, who do you think's favourite for Rookie of the Year then, Seth? Either Bell or Custer. Yeah, I'd agree. I think Bell. Totally. I, think, I think Bell. Yeah, I've uh, I've kept my eye on Bell for for a little bit after watching him win when I was down in Kentucky last year. The kid can drive. Cool, can he just? Yeah. I mean, Reddick's been obviously got the double championship, but there's just there's something about Bell that just makes you go, ooh, as it were. <laughs> Sounds bad, sorry. But there is. It yeah. rings a bell. <laughs> oh. 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 We're half an hour into the new season, <laughs> and we've already dipped to those levels. Yes, yes. Well, Richard, let's – uh. The Formula One's gearing up for their start here next month. Um, the uh, the the new cars have been released and all the um, fantastic mm-hmm. Formula One launch parties that they like to do that in grand style. Um, some some of the cars uh, are, are stunning with deliveries, and some of them make you say, "Huh?" But uh, mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, the, the Williams car for one, yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, and Looks the, like a tube of toothpaste. Yeah, she put <laughs> Dr. Jack Miller driving that car, right? Oh, boy. Oh, my. So uh, um, let, let's talk about the testing and the speeds and who's, uh, yeah. who's looking good this year. Well, I mean, um, Mercedes is starting up again where they finished. You know, Valtteri drove the car in the morning, Lewis in the afternoon, and they're the fastest two guys on the track, Racing Point. Uh, were, uh, were second fastest, if you like, third in the timesheets, but their car is a, it's a carbon copy of the, um, Mercedes. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's a little bit disappointing in a way, actually, that they, cause they've always, you know, the last few years they've had that, like, funky nose design with the side inlets and all this sort of stuff, and that you think, okay, that's a bit different. And now they've just gone for that, like, Mercedes bulbous nose and the side pod and the brake ducts and the wing. It's almost funny how similar they are. Yeah, but if the Mercedes is, if Mercedes is winning races left and right, well, why not? Yeah. Something must uh, but, something must work. Yeah, but the 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 problem you have there, and people often ask me this, you know, when you were working for these teams, where you know a lot of it is bespoke and customized to your vehicle, you know, why can't you, um, you know, just copy somebody else's? But it's there's two things really. Firstly, it's understanding why they've done what they've done. You know, why do you have this wing of this angle? Why do you have this, you know, turning vein? Why do you have this, you know, little flick up here? Um, which you can work out through CAD modeling and through aero work. You can you can come to that conclusion. But then there's the stuff under the skin that you can't see in the car, how the suspension geometry works with the aero, how the, um, you know, underfloor aerodynamics work, how how the, the the grip is delivered to the car and the traction delivered and all these little things that you can't necessarily see at face value. Um, and, and typically, when you try and copy a car, it doesn't work. Now, pre-season testing is pre-season testing. So there's a lot of unknowns here that, um, you know, will come to pass in the next month or so before we get down to Melbourne. But uh, it, it, it's a little bit of a you know, I'm a little bit surprised they've gone down such a, a blatant route, route of, of copying. Um, but, you know, they, they look quick. So, uh, you know, you can't knock them for that. Uh, you know, every car pretty much, I think, looks looks good this year. Um, we've got a new, um, you know, a couple of uh, name changes there. You have, um, um, oh, goodness me, uh, uh, 
Toro Rosso is now now changed to Alpha Torino, I think it is. Something along those lines who are the um I think it's Red Bull's clothing brand, I think is the uh the definition of them. And they've got a very slick um black and white livery. Which yeah, it's is, a very good, uh, it's a good looking car, yeah. What are they called? Let me get the name right. Hang on, I want to make Al- sure. Alpha Scudera Alpha to, to, I can't pronounce it. Tori Honda, I think, is the, the official name. The AT01, officially. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, they've got they've got these two guys driving the car, which are in limbo, really, in Gasly and Viat, both ex-Red Bull big boy drivers, now driving back again for their junior team. You have to consider that they probably wouldn't get promoted back up to the senior team unless Verstappen moves on, but he's just been given a new contract, and Albon doesn't perform, but Albon repays Gasly. So would you go back and, you know, make that switch again? Probably not. So both of those guys this year are probably driving for their seat at another team. I, I'm not up to speed on the Red Bull Junior program as to who's next in line. There doesn't seem to have been much movement on that recently. So maybe they do have a couple of years there. But they are, basically for them now, this is a shot window. Um, and I mean, I, I rate Gasly very, very highly. Uh, you know, some of his performances in... Toro Rosso in previous years were very, very good. Obviously not as successful at Red Bull at the start of last season, but then when he went back to Toro Rosso, you know, he drove great and got some fantastic results. So maybe it's the pressure handling that he needs to, uh, you know, work on, <laughs> for want of a better word. Yeah, I mean, either but, way, I, I think Gas has got tremendous potential. Yeah, I was, yeah. I, I was honestly disappointed in his performance in the Red Bull because I, I, I thought he would, he'd be right up there with Max. But um, and I think it was obviously, pressure. yeah, it, it could I be. I think it was just he couldn't handle the pressure, unfortunately. Which but is, look- which is in Formula One, that's just not a good oh, thing. Oh, of course it is. Oh, yeah. for sure. You know, yeah. that's what you're there for, and um, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to step up when, when, you know, when needed. Um, but if you're looking at performance. Cars are, it sounds silly, it's almost boring. You know, I remember going to pre-season testing 15 years ago, or whatever it was. And if you did 20 laps on the first day, you, you were amazed. You think you've got, you've got the greatest car in the world. Now, Daisy's at 173 laps today, I think it was. I mean, it's just, it, it's, I don't know, there's something not, quite right in my mind about it you know they're they're so reliable and so repetitive you just think is this damaging the sport being this reliable you know do they need to look at a yeah you can go pre-season testing but you can't use race spec tires so you can work on the bugs you can work on the reliability of the car but not performance you've got to go and do that when you get to the track on the race weekends i think you need pre-season testing just to understand where you are and what uh, your car handles like and it's certain characteristics of it but you know it's become so what's the word clinical in Formula 1 these days that you need to spice it up a little bit and um, you know I know they've reduced it to six days of pre-season testing purely from a cost saving point of view rather than a performance point of view but I, I just think I'd, I'd like to see them do something which will shake it up a little bit and make the teams react to an unknown uh, you know more than they do right now. Yeah, I mean, to your point, the reliability is is incredible. I mean, it's uh, attrition is rarely a factor in, uh, you know, for, oh, yeah. one, for for this day and age. I mean, there you know, mean, there was a, there was a time when I was growing up, you would you would occasionally have just somebody out of nowhere, you know, Michele Alboreto in the Tyrrell, or, yeah. or somebody just. 
that would have a shot to win a race just based on the attrition yeah. of, and particularly during oh. the early turbo era. Oh, you know, yeah. we saw, you know, like 11 different guys win races in 82, um, largely based on attrition. And, you know, there's a time if you were to win four races and have five DNFs, you'd be world champion. You know, exactly. now, now, I mean, you've got to, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, how many races did Lewis win last year? 15, 16? Oh. On the team did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's crazy. But no, you're right. I mean, you you look at like you know you, you sit on you know YouTube or whatever. You watch a race from the 80s or whatever, and you'd have like 25 or 24 car start or 26 car start or whatever it would be, and and like eight had finish. And if you finish, you get a point. You know, pretty much. Pretty and, much, yeah. You know, whereas now, if you've got 20 cars in the race or 22 or whatever we have now, I think it's 20. Yeah, 20, isn't it? Um, you'll have 18 finish. And it's like that week in, week out. And partly that is because of the regulations with the endurance on the transmission and the engine and, and things like that. You know, you, you need to have the reliability. Uh, you know, you look at Honda, obviously, they've stepped up their reliability levels massively in the last few years. Renault have stepped up their performance and reliability massively in the last few years. So there's a lot at play here and a lot of changes going on. But you, you need... You need you, know, you need something, and you look at the races these days where you do have high attrition, like the wet races, like Germany last year. You know, it's good fun. You know, it's great to watch. Um, oh, certainly, but, yeah. Uh, Let, let's talk about the lap speeds a little bit, because I, I read a quote from it was one of the the Renault drivers, uh, Ocon, okay. I guess it was. Yeah. yeah, and he said he felt like they were going to break a number of track records this year, uh, just with with the twenty twenty cars being. Uh, a bit faster than than last year's counterparts. So, what are your what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Are they uh, have they, they opened that up a little bit where we're going to see some uh, really um, you know track records broken? I think it's just the progression of um, the. You know, I don't think there's a huge rule change which has enabled this, or you know, massive. I think it's just the progression of the the, uh, the rules have been relatively stable for the last few years. So the teams are now getting more on board with it and getting a better understanding of, of where they can find these little bits of performance. Uh, so you, you're going to see some pretty fast lap times in, in at some races. Um, as as a comp- an interesting comparison, um, I saw an onboard video from I think it was George Russell driving out in uh, Barcelona today, and he was one second a lap faster than his qualifying time at Barcelona last year. So from the Williams team, obviously they found some speed. Uh, it wasn't that hard probably in uh, in the what FW what is it going to be now 43. I think it's 43 this year, isn't it? Um, so they found some performance in there and they found some speed. And, uh, you know, all the teams will just, just naturally. But uh, I think that uh, I, I think Williams are going to make a big move. It's going to be interesting, this midfield battle, because if Williams can start to push up a little bit, you know, who, strange way of looking at it, who's going to be last? <laughs> yeah, you know? You know, a lot of those guys have really improved. I mean, because... It- if oh, you yeah. look at uh, McLaren last, McLaren had a really good season last year compared to where they were a year before, yeah. and they're looking to improve this year. The, the Renault team seems to get a bit better every year. Um, I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it's <laughs> the one I see falling behind the curve is the Haas team. I was going to say, I mean, they were ninth out of ten last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gene Haas has turned around and said, we need to do better. Um, and he's right, they do. You know, when he's pumping his... It's not his personal money, but his brand's money into the equation there. They do need to do better. But, you know, you, you look at it, you know, the, 
you know, you, you imagine that, you know, Racing Point, they're probably going to be a little bit more competitive than they were last year because they've um, you know, got over that financial difficulty they had two years ago that probably hindered 2019 quite badly. So they're probably going to push on a little bit. Um, Alpha and didn't didn't they acquire Aston Martin? So they Racing will they Point. are getting funding from Aston Martin, and they I believe they will be renamed Aston Martin in 2021, uh, or have a, a bigger presence. Um, in in 2021, I, I, um, yeah, the construction was... will be called the, the team will be called Aston Martin. Um, the, how the, they, they haven't decided to term the, an engine supplier, but I'm guessing it's going to be Mercedes uh, because Lawrence Stroll, Lance Stroll's father and major shareholder in Racing Point, has heavily invested in Aston Martin branding. Right, and then Aston Martin, from what I Aston Martin, from what I hear, is is pulling out of uh, WEC and sports car yeah. racing. And they're also so, pulling out of their agreement with Red Bull at the moment, Red because they're, they're labeled Red Bull Aston Martin. Uh, right, right. Have a very big tie-in as well. So yeah, that's, so, put, so that's actually put, Aston Martin yeah, Red Bull Racing officially. Yeah, but, yeah, that's putting more money into uh, Racing Point, uh, which is certainly helping. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've always been one of the one of the better small teams. You know, back when they, they were have, they've always had India, they've, yeah, they've always, and, uh, just like nipping at nipping at the tail of yeah, the, of the middle of the building pack. A yeah, new technology center there at Silverstone. What a great expense. I mean, you know, Lawrence Stroll, fair play to the guy. He's putting some serious cash into into his son. I mean, into the team. And uh, yeah, or, good luck well, to both, him. both really, yeah. So, <laughs> right, so, so looking at looking at twenty twenty, I, I mean, it, it's it's going to be hard to pick against Hamilton winning another championship. Honestly, it is. It, it's Stop, hard yeah. To, yeah, sure. to to put your money elsewhere. But let's talk about the rookie crop. So, who do, who uh, do we have? Moving uh, up this year. I, I know it's, it's not a large rookie class this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah, rookie of the year. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, all, all of Canada will be proud. So. Exactly. Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, I mean, I think... I, I, think, I think so. You, yeah, I think you're right. You're going to be looking, though, at um, what I'm going to call the second season group. So your George Russells, your Ocons, your uh, Lando Norris, guys like that. Uh, Alex Albon, you know, guys that have been around for a year, got that year's experience. And I mean, I'll tell you, to my book, those four guys, I mean, Ocon was obviously the year before, and he's maybe done a couple, of, I think he's done a couple of seasons, hasn't he? But, you know, th- that group, I was massively impressed with all of them last year. Um, I thought both George Russell and Lando Norris were spectacular. Uh, you know, Norris going into, a, you know, the brand name McLaren, um, you know, big name, big expectations on him. Up against a, a pretty stout, you know, teammate in Carlos Sainz Jr. Uh, and, and George Russell going in there into very, very difficult circumstances. But, you know, showing what he can do against an experienced teammate. And um, although one with, who obviously hadn't been in the sport for a long time. But, you know, Robert Kubik is no mug. Um, so that little group, and I'm going to put Latifi in there even though he's a rookie. So that group of four or five drivers... I think it's going to be a fascinating battle between them and and I think some of the more experienced names in the sport who maybe haven't achieved as much as you'd expect are going to start looking over their shoulder, um, you know, coming into into 2021 for their seat. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be uh, th- those guys are going to be fun to watch. Uh, just as yeah. um, I mean, I think the two just, has, just, uh, as, just as Leclerc was fun to watch last year in his second season. Yeah, so. I mean, I think. 
Grosjean, Magnussen, guys like that, they're going to be in trouble. Uh, Bottas, potentially. I know yeah. Perez has got a long-term contract. Um, I even go as far as, to, you know, Ricciardo's got to step up and, and put it up to Ocon. Because he's true, a huge true. price tag there at Renault. And there's no doubt the guy is a phenomenal talent. But he's got to deliver. Um, you know, of, of the group that's in there now, the only one that you would consider to definitely not be there next year is probably Kimmy. I, I, I don't think he'll go beyond this year. I think he'll retire at the end of the year. So that really only leaves one chess piece in the game. And you've got to look at Hulkenberg somewhere. You know, you, you'd, you'd look to him to go. And hey, Fernando Alonso apparently as well. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they keep trying to put Fonza, Fernando everywhere, which is uh, a good segue to uh, <laughs> our IndyCar segment. There you go. But let's um, – before we do, I just want to mention um, or ask you uh, the – we've heard – well, the season starts in, in, in Australia. Correct, yeah. And then what, what's the date on that? Uh, March 15th. March so 15th. So it's the that? same – Four weeks. Yeah, it's, a, it's the same start date as the IndyCar season. Okay, uh, yep, but, yeah. But now the, the Grand Prix in China has been – Put postponed. on hold or, or cancelled? Cancelled no. or postponed? Postponed. Um, so the plan is that what they're thinking of, and this is the teams are going to love this, 15th of November run Brazil. A week later, so that's going to be the 22nd, run a two-day Chinese Grand Prix. So practice Saturday, qualify Sunday morning, race Sunday evening in China, and then go to Abu Dhabi the following weekend for the last race of the season. Or push Abu Dhabi back by a week, and fit China in between one of those two, but Abu Dhabi is reluctant to go into what would be the first week of December. And then you also have uh, Imola. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to come to fruition. I think that's going to be a yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I that, yeah, yeah, well, you know, Imola is other tracks try as well. Well, Imola is trying to say, yeah, I mean, yeah. We'll go ahead and host a race. Just you know, wave the sanction fee at Formula One. Say, so, uh, no thanks. We'll just yeah. uh, we'll just have an additional you know open week on the calendar. Yeah, which I mean, which, I, which makes more sense for them. Somebody brought up the same thing. They they said uh, Roger Penske should pitch it to Formula One to go ahead and and you know, but no, that's not going to happen. No, and, so. and in all fairness, both uh, Imola and um, uh, Indianapolis in mid-April, a little bit dicey weather sometimes. A little bit, a little bit. You're right. So, so anyway, so let's let's talk about the, the IndyCar season. So the uh, obviously the biggest story over the off screen is over the off season is the implementation of the aero screen, uh, which you know is with the, they're here now. They're on the cars. Uh, you know there there are at least 25 aero screens out there on on cars. We know there were some silly stories being floated that they didn't have enough screens that we would never see these things before Indianapolis. Of course, the guys floating those stories were people that are not really in the know who were trying to push their own agenda. Richard, you know who I mean. We won't. We won't whoa, mention. Whoa, 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 we, whoa, whoa. we won't Let's mention. Me into this. Well, we won't mention his name. So, but um, in all honesty, once you kind of get used to it, it's in my mind anyway. It's not that bad. Fans are still largely divided. Folks think it's ugly, um, but but then again, you know, safety should never take a backseat to aesthetics. In my mind, anyway, and, and the whole purpose yep. of this thing is to keep our drivers safe. Which you know, you can't have a race if you don't have drivers. So uh, you know, you know. That being said, um, they've uh, Greenlight Collectibles is beginning to release all the renders of the uh, the diecast for next year with the aero screens on there, which are pretty neat. So, 
But mm-hmm. um, so we. What, uh, I, um, what I do think is quite nice, and it, it lends itself to IndyCar more than Formula One is, you know, the the, the aero screen is part of the car livery. One thing I'd love to see in Formula One is the halo be customizable like the driver helmet is. So you've got yes, an instant yes. recognition. You know, if a driver has a you know a pink helmet, you know, then it's got a pink halo or whatever it may be. Something that would give it a little bit of identity rather than just this ugly bit of carbon fiber stuck on top of a car. Yeah, you know, and, and that's a good point because. You know, for the longest time, the best way to identify a Formula One driver was by the helmet because they, you know, two cars at the same right? Course. Yeah, because yeah. they they all have team cars. They don't they don't do yeah. the you know the the American racing model where you may have two different sponsors for your team cars. They all all the cars are virtually identical except for maybe uh, you know different color on the the front wing flaps or whatever to tell them apart. And the numbers are so small. I mean, sometimes I, sometimes I can't find the number on the Formula One car. It's so <laughs> tiny, you know. But but that's a good idea. Yeah, paint the paint the halo a different color. I kind of like that. So, but yeah, they have uh, done a pretty nice job of integrating that that top bar around the of the the aero screen into the car's livery. Some of them look very nice, very successful. Other of them. Maybe not so much, but it's still, you know, it's a work in progress. And I believe when the next generation of IndyCar comes out and where this is integrated into the design of the car, it's going to look a whole lot more seamless and, and, and beautiful. And and I think the, the, the team that did the best with delivery is uh, Connor Daly's Air Force car because, you know, they say that with this canopy, it looks like, it looks like a canopy from a jet fighter. The Air Force car is painted up to look like a jet fighter. It, it's 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 amazing. It, it looks really good. So, but but so we had um the first big open test uh, in Coda. One of the guys that was at the top of the timesheets was uh, Australian Supercar champion Scott McLaughlin, who was there with uh, Team Penske, and he, he was I think he was third at the end of the day, and then the, then they brought him back uh, to run the um, the rookie test at Texas, and the, and now they're going to run him in the um, the Indianapolis Grand Prix bumping Castro Nevis out of uh, that mm-hmm. seat. Castro Nevis will, will still run the 500 uh, for Penske. And, you know, on, on the heels of that news, you know, everybody has been impressed with this young man, Scott McLaughlin. He's from New Zealand. Um, IndyCar has a nice history of New Zealanders doing well, Scott Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so they, speculate, and they said, you know, that this is going to be his last season in Australian supercars. And, because he's going to race full time in America, and there's no nothing set in stone where he's going to race. But you know, all all signs point to Roger Penske IndyCar. Whether that's a full season in 2021 or not, I don't know. He's, we've got uh, I don't Will Power contract runs through 2021. So does Pagano's. Um, New Garden's not going anywhere, but Penske has run, uh, you know, four cars in the past. But you know, we'll just have to see how that plays out. But uh, you know, Penske also has sports car opportunities and NASCAR opportunities for uh, racing in the United States. So that'll be interesting to see. I, I want to now, say, rookie wise, like an Xfinity, I, I, Xfinity I, Road Course or something this year, maybe. Oh, I have a yeah. question for the two of you. All uh, the right. Last, the last time uh, Penske had a rookie debut for him in IndyCar, if I remember correctly, and if my notes are correct, would be Gonzalo Rodriguez. True. That was the last year. Penske hasn't had a rookie since 1999, and you really can't call McLaughlin a true rookie because he's a he's a champion in other series. You know, it's like Robert Wickens. 
came in. Yes, he was a rookie, but he wasn't what you call a, a true rookie. I, I, I always consider a true rookie to be stepping up to the next level of motorsport and, and, and a young right. guy. You know what I mean? So somebody coming out of Indy Lights or maybe somebody coming over from Formula 2 uh, into Indy Cars would be more of a true rookie than somebody who's won championships in other top-level disciplines, you know. I mean, Kurt Busch was considered a rookie at Indianapolis, but, I mean, the dude, you know, but realistically, the guy has more miles on an oval track than the rest of the field combined times three. So, but, uh, yeah, it's hard to call McLaughlin a true rookie. Uh, plus, he's already on Roger Penske's payroll, you know, in the in the, in the supercars. So, but, so, so back to the, the testing. The testing went well. Everyone's got high marks for the screens. They're still concerned about heat in the car, especially when they get into the summer. They, they began to – they've implemented the the, the little – I don't know the word for it. It's the, you know, the little tube on the back of the helmet that they use in NASCAR that blows the fresh air into the, into the helmet. Air conditioning unit. That's what we consider an air conditioning unit. That's what you call it, yeah. But they've, the yeah. IndyCar guys have, have adopted those now. I've watched okay. a couple – I've watched a couple of really fun uh, – like helmet unboxing videos when the guys get their helmet from the painter and they, you know, get on their Instagram or Twitter and unbox the helmet. So, but they're all utilizing that now, so that'll that'll help out a little bit. Still looking at a couple other solutions, but it seemed like visibility is not going to be a problem. Weather's not going to be a problem. They were able to test in the rain at Texas. There was some leakage in the cockpit. Uh, Will Power reported, but they they believe that could be easily fixed. So it's gonna gonna be an exciting IndyCar season. Um, so just looking at the the rookie class, we've got Dalton Kellett has uh, oh. ponied, ponied up some money for a uh, part-time ride with A.J. Foyt. A.J. Foyt, the 14 car, is going to be split between Sebastian Bourdais, who will start the season, Tony Kanaan, who will run all the ovals, and then Kellett will have those in the rest. Charlie Kimball moves over from Carlin to Foyt. Um, the, the Andretti team stays intact. Um, with the addition of James Hinchcliffe, which was announced earlier today for the two races in Indianapolis and Texas, and with the caveat that there's possibly more, but they did say Toronto's off the table for logistical reasons, uh, the fact that because the all of the um, junior series are also there running, Michael doesn't have the extra crew to, to, to run a sixth or fifth or sixth car at uh, at Toronto because all the, uh, the other guys will be tied up with the Indy Lights team. I'll do um, it. There you go. I'll call, I'll call Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Give um, me a call. Yep. Aaron McLaren did their did their car reveal in pure Formula One style. They've got a, a black and orange livery uh, with the arrow on there. Award and Askew, two young drivers in there. Askew eligible for Rookie of the Year honors. Carlin's back with Max Chilton and Philippe Nasser is going to run another exciting rookie there. Yeah. Um, Chip Ganassi racing. Marcus Erickson has moved over there, adding a third car there. Um, Dragon Speed, believe it when I see it. Hmm. I mean, Sage Sage Karam, who's been an indie only for the last couple of years. Uh, Dry Reinbold's gonna gonna run four races this year for Sage. Connor Daly is taking over the um, the seat at Ed Carpenter, uh, the the road course only seat. Rhinus VK will have a full time ride there. Another rookie there, um, and Penske remains intact, adding Elio for the 500. So. We've got we've got a good crop of, of rookies and returning veterans in IndyCar. Um, the season's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. It kicks off in um, St. Pete uh, on March 15th. And, of course, the, uh, Fernando Alonso remains in the news. Will he or won't he? Um, evidently, he 
said answered a question on Instagram the other day. Somebody asked him, "Are you going to be at Indy?" He said, "Oh, sure." They said, "Do you have a team?" He said, "What do you think?" Um, obviously, we know it's, it's obviously we know it's not Andretti. That's that ride is taken. Penske has said he's not running an extra car. Chip Ganassi said nobody from Alonso has contacted them. The the speculation runs full circle, and then the the, the current rumor has him. In a third Arrow McLaren car, less than what two months after he said he severed all his ties with McLaren. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. But uh, we are just about out of time. Very, but... very quick question for you. Very, very quick question. I've just thought oh. about it. These Aero screens, are they going to have ripoffs on them like a normal driver's visor? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They, they they tested those uh, during the the initial uh, era. They had a couple of initial. Test with uh, just you know like two three cars at a time uh, yeah. at, a, at a couple of different tracks and they did have the they did they were at Richmond they were at Sebring uh, and one other that escapes me but yeah they did they did have the tear offs there and they they seem to work relatively well I mean NASCAR's got large tear offs too on their windshield so they, you know it works it works very much the same fashion there barber um, barber that was the other test. There you go. All right. So, anyway, so we've got uh, NASCAR racing in Vegas. Uh, anybody care to uh, uh, pick a winner like we like to do at the end of the show? Go ahead and make our picks. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to go with Harvick. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I guess I took your pick, Richard. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, Daytona's you know, the first race of the season, but nobody really knows where they stand because it's a super speedway race rather right, than... Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Daytona doesn't tell you anything. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, I agree. Kyle Busch. Oh, God. Now, see, now you took my pick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, what does that leave me? All kind of people. So I'm going to say, oh, Vegas, we're talking. Um, yeah, I'm baffled. I got nothing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Keselowski. Yeah. So I, I want to say he's won at Vegas a time or two. So anyway, well, we are out of time. So uh, I want to thank all you folks that listen. I want to thank you, Richard. Uh, thank you, Seth. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network um, and Spreaker and iHeartRadio, those folks that host us. Uh, so until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 